Welcome back to another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And on this week's episode, we're taking a look back this weekend at not one, but two races from the past weekend because we're going to check out what went down at Churchill Downs in a quick recap of the Kentucky Derby. And then we'll give a recap of a very profitable Kansas Speedway race for the podcast really going to enjoy this victory lap and then we'll get into some darlington information we'll talk about you know what to look for the different stats you can play this weekend talk about a little surprise entry in the field um so a lot to talk about there getting into darlington and then we'll get into some outright picks we're looking for some value yet again get into some finishing positions then a tough head-to-head section this week tough to find them at least and uh, we'll get into three different head-to-heads at the end of the episode. So, like I said, a lot of fun to have this week heading into Darlington. Now, we are going to look back at Saturday afternoon, just about 7 o'clock. We saw the Kentucky Derby go down. And your winner, Mage, the 8-horse, was the winner of this race. And what a wonky Derby week it was. I mean, I put the episode out there on Tuesday, and it was like right after that, like Wednesday morning, all the scratches started. I mean, we had five scratches to the Kentucky Derby. Five different horses got scratched. There were three reserve horses. All of them got into the race, and then they only had 18 horses running. I mean, typically, they're supposed to be 20. So just absolutely wild, and I kind of feel like we as the fans got a little gypped by it because... It was already not necessarily the strongest field that we've ever had at the Kentucky Derby. And then you start losing some of the big-name guys. I mean, the horse that I called out above all else when I was putting my card together on the podcast was Practical Move, and he was one of the first horses to get scratched. He had a fever, so that's a shame. We're going to look to see if we see him in the rest of the Triple Crown races, the Preakness and or the Belmont. But then the big news, I mean, bigger than that, was on race day. I actually did like a random hat draw for my like family and friends, $10 a piece, you know, and get a random horse. And Forte, the favorite, got scratched the day of the Kentucky Derby. And my brother-in-law had Forte. I was all jealous. And then uh, when I sent the list out, he was like, yeah, my horse is scratched. I'm like, what? No, no, you're reading that wrong. But sure enough. So just absolute madness really affects the odds and the, the Derby and everything like that. So Tapit Trice was going off as the favorite and Jewel of Empire was uh, right there as well. But Mage is your winner. And just unbelievable story there because I think when I was going through anything to do with Mage, it was to try to really bring down or, or call some concerns out with the favorite, Forte, because in the Florida Derby, which Forte won, Mage was the horse that ran out of gas. And then going up against Practical Move in three different races, Mage just could not beat Practical Move. So maybe, hindsight being 2020, alarm bells should have gone off in the old noggin saying, hey, the, the rival of this horse isn't there. Uh, maybe we should, you know, look at Mage once again, but uh, was not smart enough to do that and really came alive there at the end and the only 
I guess, talking head or or the broadcast people on the broadcast to call out Mage as the winner. You know who that was? Dale Jr. <laughs> so bringing the two worlds together here as Dale Jr. I think he did it because of the number eight. In any case, he's a winner, winner, chicken dinner. Now, the horse of the podcast, two fills. He was leading down the stretch and just ran a perfect race. I kept saying to uh, everyone that was in my house when we were watching it, like, he's got a perfect run. He's got a perfect run. Came out of the gate just the way they wanted, tucked in behind a couple of the leaders and just made his move down the stretch, took the lead, and he was really running strong. Uh, Just got ran down by Mage in a, a good Kentucky Derby race all around. So, disappointment, heartbreak for uh, the podcast with two fills. That would have been really fun to see that go down, but uh, was all for not. And hearing the trainer of two fills today, actually, on Tuesday, he said that even if they had won the Kentucky Derby, he does not think they would have ran the Preakness, which I hate to hear because I loved everything that guy was saying all week about two fills. Hate to hear that. Now, Mage... Of course, all eyes on that horse, and they're saying, you know, they're eyeing the Preakness, which I think is an obvious situation. I don't know why it's even a question. Why wouldn't you want the Triple Crown? Um, I know that there are answers to that, but it's a rhetorical question. So, you know, we'll, we'll keep our eyes peeled. Hopefully, we'll have a Triple Crown hopeful in the Preakness. Ran today, galloping, eating well, so all things are, are looking good for Mage so far. Angel of Empire finished third, and he made some news because that guy, Mattress Mac, total loser, uh, came out and bet like a million dollars on Angel of Empire the afternoon of, and it really altered all the odds. So um, Angel of Empire comes in third there, as he was a horse that we had a lot of uh, bets on hitting the board. So they're your top three at the Derby, and we will... Uh, We'll see if we talk a little Preakness in uh, next week's episode. So that was the Derby, and we will then go to Sunday because in Kansas we had a little bit more profitable day um, getting back to what we know best. Denny Hamlin is your winner, and it's another outright hit for the podcast. I mean, we had him at plus 850. His odds went down uh, to, I think, around plus 450 or 500 on race day. So felt good about that. And what an ending to that race. I mean, for me, personally, I'm a little biased. It played out exactly perfectly for my bets. But as far as the actual on-track activity is concerned, you know, it's a good question. Like, was it the right move? Did he do something that was out of line, yes or no? It seemed to be, it was just kind of a gray area. Denny said he wouldn't have liked it if he did it to him. Uh, I don't know what it is with Kyle Larson and getting passed on, like, the final couple laps at kansas kurt did it to him a couple years ago kurt was even saying that on the broadcast like this is where i got him uh just something about it we gotta remember that next time we come here in the spring next year uh something about kyle larson just can't pull it off at that racetrack in the springtime but denny hamlin you know puts a little uh move on him puts him into the wall a little bit and takes the lead for the victory so that was uh entertaining to say the least, and for me, as someone who had a Hamlin outright at plus 850, uh, that felt pretty good. We'll get into the bets that we missed and hit in just a second, but we had some fireworks elsewhere on the track, and this was with Ross Chastain yet again and Noah Gregson this time. So we actually had some punches thrown. So uh, the situation here was Gregson during the race, I think there was like 60 laps left, 
and Chastain got a little, I don't know, pushed him up the wall a little bit. And Gregson, actually, you could see it, you know, the way he handled the car, drove into Chastain, like on purpose. And uh, definitely trying to say, like, hey, I didn't like that. So it seems as if, you know, post-game Monday morning quarterback analysis of this altercation, it seems as if Gregson kind of made up his mind right then and there. Like, after this race, you know, I'm going to be the guy. Enough is enough. I'm going to be the guy that says, all right, you got to answer for this and just walked up to him. Now, I mean, I might have to put a YouTube video about this, just kind of breaking it down frame by frame, because it is kind of interesting to see. Gregson walks up, starts talking to him, and then like in a really awkward manner, like grips him up. And it was like, wait a second, like, what are you, his dad, like scolding him or something? Like, it was very strange uh, the way he did it. And right away, Ross was saying, stop, stop. Now, when you looked at it from a distance, uh, you kind of said, like, damn, like, Ross swung on him. That's that's pretty strange. Uh, but when you actually hear the audio and you see it more up close, Ross is telling him, hey, stop, stop. And gave him, like, a, a few seconds to take his hands off him as Noah was trying to give him, like, the little, I don't know, I don't, wouldn't call it a rabbit punch, but, like, had his fire suit gripped up. And Ross didn't take any shit and connected with him. And Noah's haircut did him no favors in that because when you slow that down, that hair goes flying. He looks like a, a total clown out there. So um, very interesting to see that go down. Funny to see everybody's reaction to it. I know they showed uh, Denny's reaction to seeing that altercation. And it'll be uh, fun to see if that continues. But, I mean, you got to say, NASCAR just has to absolutely love this guy, Ross Chastain, because he, he's just, I don't know, causing all sorts of problems on the racetrack and getting all sorts of attention off of it. So they are just uh, loving every race because he's always a story afterwards. So let's talk about how we did. I talked about how we hit. Denny Hamlin for an outright at plus 850, but we also called Hamlin out at plus 145 for a top five. So that felt good. We had Larson on the podcast. We talked about him top five at plus 105. And I said, if you're feeling frisky, top three. I didn't throw the top three in there, but uh, you would have hit either way. That's why I was saying with the way that went down, if Larson remained in the lead, that would have been okay. I, I threw a, a race day bet on him at plus 600, but we made out like bandits, you know, cashing the plus 850 ticket for the outright. So all in all, you know, good either way there. We talked about Ross for a top 10 at minus 143, a little bit of juice there, but we took it and it hit. We talked about Truex, uh, excuse me, Martin Truex at minus 200. I said, that's like way outside character for me, but I went with it anyway. And that hit Truex ran a, a really good race. Um, Barry over Briscoe, we spoke extensively about that in the NASCAR betting preview show episode, and it didn't play out the way we thought it was going to play out, but Barry still got the victory there as those guys were kind of, um, just in the way at the end of that race. And then Austin Dillon group F came through plus two sixty. That was fantastic for, uh, Austin Dillon. So really good stuff there. We also had, uh, based on the NASCAR betting preview show, I threw the under as an underdog under 17 and a half race winning number. And that obviously hit with Denny Hamlin being number 11. So really, really good day overall for the podcast. Now, a couple 
bets that we missed. We talked about Kyle Busch over Logano. That did not go down the way we thought. We also talked about Bubba and Barry, a uh, top 10 parlay there that we were getting on Caesars as a combo. And uh, that was going off at plus 450. Bubba held up his end of the bargain. Josh Barry did not. So that kind of stung. But in any case, and then the live bet, not live, but race day threw in an ad. Follow me on Instagram. I put that out there each week. Talked about Blaney over Harvick, and that was a miss there. So, uh, yeah, we take the the wins with the losses there, but we definitely came out very much on top from Kansas. So just great racing and uh, just had good drama, good tire factor. You know, tires were definitely a a conversation. You could see, you know, even after like six laps, uh, I think Truex showed as an example, like just cutting through. Uh, Larry McReynolds said he was cutting through like – a warm knife through butter, and uh, just love Larry. As a side note, but fantastic analysis there, and love to see tires as a factor at these racetracks. So decent amount of cautions, you know. It's just really entertaining stuff. And shout out to our guy SC at Go Fast Troy on Twitter. He put a poll out there saying, "Would you want this to be the championship for NASCAR?" And I saw that and I laughed out loud. And I said, "Yeah, why the hell not?" Uh, in the poll, I just wanted to see what the results were, and 77% of his poll, it was a good amount of people responded to it, said that they would love that track to be the championship race, which was awesome. And then the Jeff Gluck poll, speaking of polls, 93% of people said it was a good race. That's the ninth best rating of all time in his poll, over 200-some races, and that was the ninth best ever. So, yeah, a good day for NASCAR and for the gamblers out there, especially if you're tailing some of these bets. So, good day. Hate to put it in the rear view, but we're going to have to move on here to Darlington. So, let's try to capture this energy, capture this momentum, and move forward here to South Carolina. I was just in that state, so maybe I got some of that juju coming my way here. Uh, I was just north over there in Myrtle Beach playing some golf. But down there in Darlington, we're going to the Lady in Black. And this is Throwback Weekend, which is always such a cool weekend. NASCAR, if there's one thing they do right, it really does feel like it's the the Throwback Weekend. This started uh, during the Southern 500 a few years ago, but now that they have two races, we'll touch on um, the, the track sets in a second, but they have two races down. One of them is in the springtime, they've made that Throwback Weekend. So you get all sorts of cool paint schemes. This year, because it's the 75th year of NASCAR, they've been unveiling the top 75 drivers of all time. Shout out Casey Kane, my favorite driver. He made the list somehow, some way. I really don't know who's in charge of that list, but I will take that as a fan. They were giving out disc codes on his uh, KKR Dirt Team merch and scooped up some of that. So real good there. And they're going to be honoring those top 75 drivers there. So Really cool stuff. I'm looking forward to all the festivities on TV this weekend, that's for sure. And um, in addition to that, we got to call out Ryan Newman getting back into the race car. He's driving the number 51, which uh, was previously run by Cody Ware. He is uh, a little bit of trouble with the wall, and we won't get into his problems, but we will be happy that we see Ryan Newman back at the racetrack. Now he's typically running the lower speed races for Rick Ware, um, Richmond and Bristol and Martinsville and a few others. 
but he wanted to run this race so he could be eligible for the All-Star Open at North Wilkesboro. So very cool stuff. Great to see him back, especially on Throwback Weekend. So we had to shout out Ryan Newman. It'll be interesting to see how he does in that 51 car. Tough truck, or excuse me, tough car to really do much in. But um, in any case, hey, the Rocket Man, he's back. So just getting back into Darlington itself, it's a mile point three six length, and that's a very you know different uh, length as far as the track is concerned. It's a unique racetrack, and we'll get into our, the data sets here, but. It is uh, kind of an in-betweener, you know, between the intermediates and the short tracks. So it's definitely a unique track, but they do have some secondary comps that we'll talk about. They used to run this race from 2006 to 2019. They ran one time a year, and it was the Southern 500. But uh, during COVID, they had three races that year at Darlington. I guess they liked what they saw because now they're going here two times a year, and that's why they moved the throwback from the Southern 500, and they moved it to the... Uh, spring race that they're now getting on the schedule so two times a year the last few times and this is the Goodyear 400 that they have in the southern 500 in the fall which is a playoff race so good stuff all around last year we saw some interesting stuff go down at this racetrack uh, in the springtime, we saw the ending with Joey Logano getting into William Byron kind of similar actually to what we just saw with Denny Hamlin and Kyle Larson. Now, this was much more uh, aggressive and egregious. I mean, he plowed them as uh, Byron was kind of letting off the gas a little bit and getting a little squirrely. Logano just said, nah, screw it. I'm going to take him and ran right into his bumper, shoved him up the racetrack into the wall and took the win. Uh, so that was an interesting thing to see go down. And then in the fall, it was the first race of the playoffs i believe i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure it was and we just saw playoff driver after playoff driver running into trouble in that race and it was capped off with an eric jones victory but we had kyle bush leading the race under caution and his engine expired so just like total randomness and then eric jones goes out takes care of the restart and leads all the rest of the laps to win the race so just Pure calamity in that race in the fall in the Southern 500. So good stuff. And uh, looking forward to seeing what this year has in store. So let's take a look at some track stats for Darlington. 123 races in the history of the Cup Series at this racetrack. Just a historic track altogether. The winner has started on the pole 21 times. And the last time it happened was Joey Logano last year. So he won the pole and then uh, took out Byron to get that victory. The winner has started inside the top five 60% of the time. That's pretty high. And then started in the top 10 84% of the time. So what does that mean? Practice and qualifying mean a lot. And it's going to be a hot, hot racetrack this weekend. The rain does not look like it's going to be a factor, so we will see cars on the track. We will get some practice and qualifying data to go off of for Sunday. The winner has only started outside of the top 26 times. The last time it happened was over a decade ago. Regan Smith, 2011, driving that 78 car, I believe, the Furniture Row or whatever, Denver Mattress car. That was uh, way back. So Regan Smith, yeah. That's the last time somebody started outside the top 20, which, again, 
got to pay attention to where they're starting qualifying. Now, manufacturer trends, Toyota has won seven of the last 12 races, so they've really kind of been the ones dominating the show here. Ford has won four of the last nine, so I'm giving you a different um, time period there for those two, but uh, it's really just kind of been the the Ford and, and Toyota show over the last few years or so, but Chevy snapped an 11 race winless streak last year when Eric Jones goes out and snags that victory. So that was a, a big win for Chevy because before that, the last Chevy driver to win was Kevin Harvick driving a Chevy. So big deal for Chevy last year in the Southern 500. And like I said, this is a unique racetrack. We do have some secondary comps, according to iFantasyRace.com. We've got Auto Club, we've got Dover and Homestead. So these are typical um, you know, high tire wear tracks. And one thing to call out, the tire combination that we're seeing this weekend from what I've seen is exactly what they ran at Homestead last year. So it is kind of worth taking a look at what went down at Homestead a little bit there. So those are some secondary tracks and we are going to pay attention to those tracks. Uh, but for the most part, you really want to focus on Darlington, kind of like what we were saying a few weeks ago at Dover. But with that being said, there are, you know, various things that we can look at outside of Darlington. So let's take a look at some of the things that I'll be calling out on this episode when we're talking about why we like certain drivers in certain spots. Last nine races at Darlington, so that three races at uh, during the COVID season is definitely making that a, a weird number. I understand that. But the last nine races at Darlington, we're looking at average finish and driver rating. We're also going to look back at last year a little bit. So especially the most recent race in the fall, um, we're looking at the total speed in the fall race. We're looking at, you know, both races in 2022 combined things like driver rating and average finish when we want to call those out. In 2023, we have the opportunity to call out how these guys have been doing on these secondary comps, Auto Club and Dover. You know, these are tracks that we were already at, so we should definitely call those out when it makes sense to do so there. And like we said, Homestead last year definitely is something to pay attention to, not something to throw all your eggs into that basket for, but it's just another you know feather in the cap you could have as you're trying to build a case for a certain driver. Then, of course, the Win the Race website. We're looking at the pre-qualifying ranks for this year at Darlington and also true performance ranks from last year on intermediates and this year on the intermediate track. So a lot of different things that we can pull from this weekend to try to lead ourselves in the right direction. Now, the, the favorite going off this week, as far as the odds were concerned when they dropped, it was Denny Hamlin. And so, you know, I typically try to avoid betting on back-to-back winners. I think Hamlin could definitely go out and get it done. Uh, I could easily be convinced at a top five for Hamlin or a head-to-head matchup for Hamlin, but it would need to be in the right spot. So let's talk about the drivers that I'm going to call out for outrights because we're starting with some value here and I'm looking at someone who's going off at 12 to 1 plus 1200 on Barstool. Now this is someone that we did call out last weekend to win and you know kind of performed pretty well for us. It's Ross Chastain. All right. I turned it into my Ryan Blaney here a little bit. Um, Just kind of can't quit Chastain even though even though I've got an under one and a half for the season on Ross Chastain total wins, I just 
you know, have been seeing the value here for Ross these last couple weeks. And it's an interesting case to make here because it starts with the value, right? 12 to 1, it's a very good number for a driver of his caliber that he's really kind of turned into here. I mean, it's just good value all around. And similar to last week, right? He was going off at 12 to 1 last week. And on race day, it was much shorter than that. It was like 9 to 1, 8 to 1. So, you know, that same situation I could expect happening this weekend as well. I'm a little nervous that I might not see that 12 to 1 number. So that's why I'm calling him out at this point. Um, in his last nine races, he's only raced seven times. He's only got one top 10 at Darlington. It was a third place finish in 2021. He's got three top 20s in his last four races. So again, we know this about Ross. He's been driving in the Cup Series in various levels of equipment. So that's why he's not really showing up on that list. We've had that conversation before, you know, different tracks. It's the same story, just different track. Last year, he did not get the finishes that he probably deserved. He finished 30th and 20th. The fall race, he was 11th in total speed, though. Now, here's a little stat that we don't really talk about that often, but he was first, the fastest driver late in a run, which is a pretty important deal, especially if we do get some long green flag runs. Now, you know, last year in the fall, we didn't get too many, if I remember correctly, but it is such a long race. Now, 400 laps at Darlington is, is also pretty long, so that's a good little thing to have in your back pocket, knowing that you've got those notes to try to pull from and try to, you know, recapture that speed there. Uh, but, you know, looking more at Ross Chastain here, it's even with those bad finishes, that 30th place, that 20th place, where you look at his combined driver rating from those two races, and it's 96.3. Really good stuff there. That's eighth in NASCAR. He led 26 laps in the spring, and he had the most fastest laps in those two races. He was first in fastest laps in the fall and second in fastest laps in the spring. So he had speed. That's the point. That's the you know thing that I'm driving towards here. And looking at the 2023 true performance ranks on intermediate tracks, he's second so far this season. His pre-qualifying rank on when the race dot info is fourth. Looking at how he did at Dover and Auto Club. I know that they're not direct comps. They're secondary comps, but we're going to call this out throughout the episode. With Ross Chastain, this season, his driver rating is first, 133.6, and it's not even close compared to the second-best driver in that category. Like, it is just truly dominant. Denny Hamlin is second in that category, and it's 108.9, just to try to drive that point home. And his average finish at those two secondary comp tracks is 2.5, of course, that is first in NASCAR so far this season. And if you want to throw Homestead into the mix, where did he finish last year at Homestead, where they're driving on the same tire combinations? Second. So Ross Chastain at 12 to 1, remember, is definitely someone that I see value in going into this weekend. Now, let's talk about kind of a little bit of a flip side here. Somebody going off 6 to 1, but it's because I'm starting to see that number disappear from the various books. Uh, six to one, Kyle Larson. I jumped on it when I saw it. I saw some people getting that like plus six fifty, but now 
you know, I think only one book, Barstool, has him at six to one as I'm recording this. Other books like Caesars and DraftKings and and others have him at five to one, and sometimes he's the, the co-favorite with Denny Hamlin there. So six to one, for Kyle Larson, even if he is like plus five fifty or, or, or you know, I don't know about five to one this early in the week, but the point remains. Kyle Larson is someone that I have my eyes on, and obviously I threw some money on him at plus 600 because of what the stats are telling us here for this driver. He's so damn good when we're talking about this racetrack and this style of racetrack, the high tire wear tracks. Kyle Larson is just someone that we got to look at. I mean, every time we go to one of these tracks, for example, that Homestead race that we talked about, he won that race last year. And that was a racetrack where, you know, that was a championship for a while. And everyone kept saying, oh, man, it'd be great to see Kyle Larson, you know, competing in the final four at this racetrack, you know, because he this this track is built for Kyle Larson. And then sure enough, he goes out when it's not part of the championship and wins the race. Now, looking at Darlington specifically, in the last nine races, he's only driven six times because of the 2020 season for obvious reasons. But in those six races, he's got four top five finishes and four top tens. His average finish is 9.5, and his driver rating compared to everyone in NASCAR is first. Last year was a little bit rough for Kyle Larson. He had an engine issue one of the races. He got wrecked, and he was battling through you know, some of that stuff in the other race. But you could kind of argue that we really didn't get to see Kyle let loose. You know what I mean? He, he kind of got bogged up with some of that stuff that really wasn't his fault. Um, as we see, I mean, with Kyle Larson, I think we should do like a, I, I wish I had the ability to go back and do like a check of how many of the times where he hasn't gotten the finishes that, you know, aren't great outside of the top 20. How many of those finishes were his fault? You know, something that he did wrong or was it, you know, somebody wrecking in front of him or wrecking him or, uh, you know, the engine just going the wrong way. But in any case, uh, Kyle Larson, very solid at this racetrack, obviously in the past. So last year may be a bit of an anomaly. Now this year though, still a little bit cause for concern, maybe a little bit to make you pause a little bit to not throw the whole mortgage on Kyle Larson at six to one, um, or even five to one there. Because this season on the secondary comp tracks, he also hasn't had some great finishes there. But the thing about Kyle Larson is he starts really well at Darlington. Comes off the truck really strong. Average starting position last year was 4.5. That was just phenomenal. Um, Joey Logano, I think he took the pole on both races, but still really good numbers there. And so that makes me think that the 6-1 to number will disappear and we might even get much shorter, especially if he goes out and does something like putting in the top five. You could see plus 450 at this uh, racetrack. So that's why I'm calling Kyle out now on a Tuesday at this number. Now, uh, despite the fact that last year didn't go his way and despite the fact that Auto Club and Dover, you know, he didn't really have great finishes. His true performance rank 2022 last year on these intermediate tracks was third and his pre-rank right now on win the race is third. So really good reason to be excited about Kyle coming back and performing strong at this track. Now, uh, if you 
don't like those short odds. He's plus 210 to be the top Chevy. That's a little something I'll throw in there, you know. Think about it. Let me know if you're on that instead of the outright, because that might be a little bit more intriguing since the outright number is kind of close to that plus 210 number for being the top Chevy. So uh, Kyle Larson, in any case, he is a person that you definitely want to have in your card at some point this weekend, and I got him at 6-1, to one, and I'm happy about it. The last driver I'm calling out here is another driver that I'm going to say is a little bit more of a value play. It's Kyle Busch. He's 10-1, to one, plus 1,000, and there are multiple factors that I'm calling out Kyle here, and I want to start with the eight team in general. Last year, Tyler Reddick, his average finish when he was driving in that eight car his average finish at Darlington was 2.5. He had a second-place finish and a third-place finish at Darlington. I mean, that's just such a great foundation to work off of. Then you talk about the totality of the 2022 season. When the race, true performance rank on the intermediate tracks was first compared to everyone in NASCAR. Now, some of that obviously was Tyler Reddick, but I think the eight car could definitely take a little bit of the credit for that. And uh, you combine that with the fact that we're working with a guy here who last time they were at Darlington was literally leading the race under caution, the Southern 500 and had his engine expire on him. Like the announcers were talking about how great it was for Kyle Busch, you know, and then all of a sudden you start seeing that smoke and you're telling me that that doesn't stick with you. I mean, he's not just chomping at the bit to go back and say like, yeah, this was this was in my hands. I had that victory. Um, so looking at his last nine races here, three top fives, five top tens. His driver rating is six. Total speed last fall was first. Obviously, he was up front for a reason. Led a ton of laps in that race, I think 155 laps. If I remember correctly, I didn't have that written down. But in 2022, his combined driver rating was fourth. So that's with a couple of finishes that weren't great. And... 2023 drive rating on these secondary comps is eight. He won Auto Club, right? So we talk about the eight team and how they did with Reddick last year and kind of apples to oranges now with Kyle Busch. Well, he went out and he won Auto Club second race of the year. His pre-qualifying rank on when the race is sixth. And to me, I think that's a solid spot to be in. Some solid odds there at plus 1,000. I'm taking the eight car success that team's success on these style tracks, what we saw with Reddick last year, and I'm combining it with Kyle Busch's success as a driver, and I think we could see some good things this weekend at Darlington. So Kyle Busch, 10-1, to is going to round out my outright pick. So it's him, Larson at 6-1, to and Chastain at 12-1. to Let's lock him in. Buggity, buggity, buggity. Let's go racing, boys! Man, it's throwback weekend. I would love to hear some some DW. I love that drop of DW. But uh, actually, the, the Fox booth for throwback weekend, um, and I am not sponsored by Fox, but I'm kind of pumped for it. We got Kyle and Richard Petty announcing in the booth stage one and Carl Edwards in stage two. So I'm really anxious to hear Carl in the booth. He's kind of been far away from NASCAR for a little while there. And then Bill Elliott, he was there last year, I believe, uh, didn't really do too much for me. Uh, it's you know, great, great guy and everything, but as far as the announcing where it's concerned, it was a little, uh, I don't know, didn't have the energy, I don't think. But hey, star-studded though to say the least on Throwback Weekend. So now we're gonna get into the finishing position 
segment here, and I'm feeling a little crazy, feeling a little out there, maybe feeling myself a little bit, you know, because we do have uh, the last few weeks have just been very profitable. So uh, got a little money to throw around here and be a little reckless. So three guys that we're going to call out on the finishing position bets this week, one of which is short odds. So we're going to go with a driver who is, you know, towards the top of the leaderboard and the odds board. It's Joey Logano. He's minus 159, not what I'm used to spending. But last week we took a few shots with Ross and with Truex, and it worked out for us, um, kind of giving up those odds. So minus 159 for Joey Logano. He's also plus 200 to finish top five. So just throwing that out there as well. Um, now, he was one of two guys in the 2022 season to finish in the top five in both races. So that by itself is pretty interesting. His last nine races at Darlington, he's got four top five finishes, six top tens, and that's what we need him to do, top ten. Second in average finish, 7.7, and fourth in driver innings. Really good stuff there. In the Southern 500 last year in the fall, he was fifth in total speed. He obviously won the spring race from what he did there. So his combo driver rating in both races was first, and it was first by a lot. Kind of similar to what we were saying about Chastain, how his driver rating from this year, the two secondary contracts was uh, combined driver rating was just dominant compared to everyone else. Well, what we saw last year by Logano, his driver rating at Darlington, the two races there, was 123.6. Second best was William Byron at 108.2. So really good numbers there for Joey Logano. And again, just need him to finish in the top 10 here. And some chaotic races there. He stayed clear of some of those you know, wrecks, especially in the playoffs when a lot of the other guys were wrecking, having trouble. This season hasn't really been great for Logano to his standards. But, you know, this is really his time of year. These types of tracks getting into the summertime you see logano and really the better drivers starting to rise to the occasion here the the initial momentum of the start of the season has worn off now it's the the grind of the regular season and they get a little bit of a break with the all-star race as far as points paying races are concerned next week's going to be just a really fun time so yeah i mean this is a logano type of race in my opinion so minus 159 Keep that going there. His Darlington experience will help us out. And plus 200 for a top five. Kind of like what we talked about last week with, you know, Larson. Throwing the different odds out there. I'm going to go with the top 10, but the, the plus 200, I could probably be convinced if someone were to tell me, hey, you know, that's, that's the way I'm going. I might tail that as well. So that number stands out because he did it twice last year. So um, it's definitely gettable. The next two guys, though, we're taking it another direction. We're going far the other way, especially with this first guy. I mean, when I was going through my stats, this person jumped off the page to me just from last year alone. All right. So I got all these different data points that I've been calling out. And really, you know, want to be clear, it's really just based on last year's performance at Darlington. This is Michael McDowell at plus 325 for a top 10 finish. I know it's crazy. I know. But looking at the numbers, where, let me try to make a case here, where he finished last year, as far as like the total overall rankings on the intermediate tracks for true performance race on winthereace.info, 
was very similar to where he is right now in the intermediate true performance ranks on when the race for 2023. So it, that's the, the baseline here. He's racing at a similar manner than he was. It's not phenomenal, but at Darlington, he was something different. He was a, a different car at Darlington because he finished in the top 10 in both races at Darlington. So the performance from the vehicle, from the team, from the driver on these styles of tracks and so far this season has been pretty much equal to what we saw last year. So why not have him shine like he did last year at Darlington when we get here? Sixth and seventh was where he finished. And the interesting thing was it was kind of a tale of two different tapes here because in the spring he ran 30% of his laps in the top 15. So 70% of the laps he was you know deep in the pack, but he ends up finishing top 10 there. And then in the fall race, Southern 500, you know, maybe he got a little bit more confident from what went down early in the season, but he ran 89% of his laps in the top 15 in that one. He started pretty well, and I say pretty well for the context of, you know, Michael McDowell. He started 10th and 16th, so we're definitely going to be watching to see. And I, I feel fine letting those odds shift a little bit. If he goes out and he starts 10th, you're still going to get Michael McDowell at like plus 250 for a top 10, I would think. Maybe 200. Uh, but the books aren't going to be scared off that much by a, a decent starting position by Michael McDowell. So, fact of the matter is, to me, this is a little bit of a, a shot. It's worth it here. And maybe you kind of shop him around, see if you can find a good head-to-head matchup on him as the weekend gets closer. I can't find one with Michael McDowell. But the fact remains... The performance overall this season is similar to what we saw last year, and he performed great at Darlington last year. So, hey, plus 325, that number kind of stuck out to me for someone who was one of a few people who finished top 10 both races last year. That's Michael McDowell. The last guy we're going to talk about is someone who does kind of jump off the page to you a little bit when you're looking at the history of the racetrack, and it's Eric Jones, plus 215. A little bit of a trendy pick, probably, but the books definitely don't think this is a really trendy situation here because they're not really giving him much respect. Plus 215, he's got two wins, four top fives, and six top tens in his last nine races. I understand that a lot of that was with JGR, but he won that race last year with the 43 car. So you have to imagine that the confidence is pretty high, and, you know, Looking at the stats here, he's sixth in average finish in the last nine races, seventh in driver rating. Last year in the fall, he was eighth in total speed. And the combination driver rating of both races last year, even though the spring race he didn't get a great finish, I think it was like 25th, he was ninth in combo driver rating. So this is another one that's a solid value, great paint scheme, right? Drive that 43 car for Richard Petty and legacy motorsports. But the fact remains, we've got a driver who definitely loves this racetrack. You're getting him at plus 215 for a top 10 finish. This is our current champion of the track, Eric Jones. So I'd like to throw a little something on him to finish in the top 10 
at plus 215. So it's Jones at that number, McDowell, a total moonshot here at plus 325, and Joey Logano, some short odds to finish top 10 at minus 159. Those are the drivers we're calling out this week on the finishing position segment. You serious, Clark? All right, to round things out this week in the head-to-head section of the podcast, I want to start just by saying it's a tough week this week. Looking at the books, I've been searching all around for something worthwhile to talk about, something worthwhile to throw my money on early in the week, and all of the books have had really tough matchups. Actually, I kind of take that back. The matchups weren't exactly tough. But the odds that we're seeing in some of these matchups, I mean, they are just absolutely unplayable unless you're going to play them along with something else, like take it and put it into a parlay. I mean, we're seeing some just ridiculous odds on matchups that, you know, maybe they should be like minus 120 plus 100 or something like that. No, we're, we're seeing like minus 150 for like Eric Amarola. Um, you know, minus 330 for Daniel Suarez in one of the matchups. I think Barstool had it, which they don't even let you parlay them with other matchups. So just Barstool kind of let me down. Caesars had a, a larger offering as far as like number of matchups, but still didn't like what I was seeing there. DraftKings doesn't have anything at the moment as I'm recording this. So once again, they're kind of letting us down. It definitely seems like they're going to have something because they do have that menu button out there But DraftKings. But still, where are you, dude? Like, where are you, DraftKings? Come through for us just one time, man, because they were what we were using for most of the year last year and before that. This year, they've been really not helping us out too much. But uh, they do have group matchups out there. So I would hope that on race day we see something from DraftKings. But looking around, just couldn't find anything saw that Betfred had something for us, and in Pennsylvania, you can get them at Wind Creek, but Betfred is definitely, I think, something that is becoming more of a national name, uh, available in, you know, decent amount of states, so Betfred is where I found all of these matchups this past week, and you definitely want to shop around. That's the, the piece of advice that I have. Whether you have access to these or not, you got to shop around. You got to look, find the drivers that you like and see where you can find them in matchups. And if it doesn't look good, you just walk away, just walk away, turn the other way and and look for something else. Because some of these odds, I I don't want to get caught with my pants down at Darlington, giving up minus 140 on a driver who I'm not like fully, fully bought in on. So with that being said, let's talk about these matchups that Betfred has to offer, or like I said, Wind Creek in Pennsylvania. Austin Dillon, Chase Briscoe. They're both going off at minus 110. Hell fucking yeah. Like, Austin Dillon is who I'm going with in this matchup. This is still, in case your calendar doesn't you know, say this to you, it's still fade Chase Briscoe season right now. Last week, it worked. The week before that, it worked. Now, last week... We called out Barry, and it was just by a few spots. But, you know, still, Briscoe took himself out of that race pretty early. And then, you know, Barry didn't do himself any favors. But he ends up still getting the victory in the head-to-head matchup. So, fade Briscoe season is still upon us. And, again, this week, 
you know, looking through the stats before I found anything to throw it on, I was thinking to myself, man, I, I got to find a matchup on Briscoe. And, you know, sure enough, this is the one that makes sense because they're even minus 110. It doesn't make sense. Four starts for Briscoe. He's got one top 15 finish in those four starts, three top 20s. Last year at Darlington, he finished 20th and 27th. His average finish in those four starts, 19.3. Not good. 25th in the true performance rank last year in 2022 on the intermediate tracks. So this is not something that's out of the norm for him. You know, looking at just how he's performed on these style tracks, it's not like he's having a bad season last year or, or this year isn't going great. No, it's just this is kind of how he is. And for what it's worth, there is a matchup with Chase Briscoe on Caesars against A.J. Allmendinger, who is 10th in the true performance ranks from 2022 on intermediate. So, uh, And he's plus money against Briscoe on Caesars. I didn't want that. I couldn't throw my eggs in A.J.'s basket or try to make a case for him. But uh, this year... At the comp tracks with the secondary comps, he's also out to lunch. 25.0 is his average finish at Auto Club in Dover. His driver rating is absolutely dismal, 43.1. How could anyone, how could anyone take a driver in a head-to-head matchup with a driver rating in any metric that matters, right? This is specifically this year, 2023, the secondary comp tracks. I get it. It's a little bit of a stretch metric, but still, 43.1. Like, how could you put your, how could he be the dog in that fight for you? Like, holy shit. So then you look at Austin Dillon. Now, this season, he's not much better in those two stats. 18.0 is average finish and 59.3 is his combined driver rating in those two races from 2023. But much better than what we're seeing with Chase Briscoe. And at Darlington, he's done very well for himself four top tens in his last nine starts last year he finished ninth and 17th last three races against briscoe on track he's three and oh and head-to-head matchups there so i just gotta love that and we talk about you know win the race our, our guy ryan stevens recurring guest of the podcast he owns that website and we talk about it week in and week out when you can find a huge discrepancy in either the true performance ranks or the win the race pre-qualifying rankings that's an opportunity for you to strike from a head-to-head matchup standpoint. And this week, there is an 11-spot difference between Dylan and Briscoe in those rankings. So I am all over Austin Dillon, minus 110. The fact that they are even is just mind-boggling to me. I guess because they've both been having a little bit rough seasons, but I like Dylan at this racetrack much, much better than Chase Briscoe. I was actually looking at Dylan for a group bet because I couldn't find anything that I could get Dylan on that made sense to me. Um, I think he was like super minus money on one of the other books in a matchup against somebody. I didn't like that, but uh, plus 220, I found him in a group bet against you know some of these drivers, maybe Stenthouse or a couple other guys like Briscoe. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. But hey, if you have access to this matchup, I would jump on it. So minus 110, Austin Dillon. Next matchup here, we're going with Martin Truex Jr. Minus 120 over Tyler Reddick, who's going off at plus 100. Now, typically, I love the plus money in these matchups, but you know we already kind of documented Reddick and his success last year, right? But it's a new team. 
new manufacturer, and his true performance rank has absolutely fallen off since last year. He was first on the intermediate tracks last year, and now he's 11th so far in the 2023 season. Seven starts at Darlington. He's got two top fives. Both of them happened last year. Three top tens total. And this bet, you know, whatever you want to say about Tyler Reddick, in my opinion, this bet is more about Martin Truex Jr. than it is Tyler Reddick because Truex, I mean, we're seeing it with our own eyes. Like, he's coming alive right now in this season. He's got that win. He came up short a few times before it, was super strong last week at Kansas. So just really good stuff. In his last nine races at Darlington, he's got a win, two top fives, and four top ten finishes. His average finish is 13.3. Now, he struggled with getting the finishes last year, but you got to look a little bit deeper because in those races, he led 28 laps in one race, 48 laps in another. He was an absolute factor in the 500, kind of got taken out early and got sent behind the wall, which was upsetting because he was definitely a, a horse in that race. And, you know, sad to see him not compete for it at the end, especially when he was on that winless drought. Now, I concede the fact to you that he didn't get his finishes last year. His average finish in those two races at Darlington was 27.5. I, I give that point up, but I say all that to say his driver rating combined in those two races was 98.9. That was seventh out of everyone in NASCAR. So the point being, he had strong, strong races and just couldn't get it done. So this year, I think that that is definitely within the realm of possibility with the way he's racing is Fourth in true performance rank right now, the 2023 season on these style tracks. And his ranking heading into Darlington is second out of everyone behind Denny Hamlin. So Martin Truex Jr. head-to-head versus Tyler Reddick. He's kind of falling off a little bit, whereas Truex is on his way up. I like it. Truex minus 120. Lock it in. Now, we're going to go a little bit different route here. And throwing a lot of emphasis on the, the win the race site and their statistics for those last two matchups. In this case, the driver that I'm taking is just a hair behind the other driver. So it's Brad Kozlowski. I'm taking him over Bubba Wallace. So I concede the fact that, you know, win the race has Bubba ranked a little bit higher than Brad right now as they're running. But to me, Brad getting plus 100 in this matchup was eye-opening. That caught my attention and made me take pause and say, what's going on here? Why is he plus 100? And I really could not find a real reason for that. I mean, people seem to like Bubba right now. I, I guess he, is he doing well? Uh, good race last week, Kansas. It's one of his strongest tracks. would like to see it. Good for him. But, you know, is it worth a lot of hype going into this weekend? I mean, I, I typically don't understand why he would be favored here. He's got one top 10 at this racetrack, and it was last year in the Southern 500. Good for him, right? Ninth place finish for Bubba Wallace. That's his best finish in his career in nine starts at this racetrack. Brad Kozlowski finished seventh in that race. <laughs> so uh, to me, it's like, yeah, good for you, Bubba. You did great. Brad did better. And so why isn't anyone talking about Brad? He's plus 100 in this matchup. Like, make it make sense. Bubba Wallace, 
one top 10, two top 20s in nine races at this track. His average finish is absolute dog shit, 22.6. Okay. Like, what? Why is he minus 120? Then we look at Brad Kozlowski. He's got one win, three top fives, five top 10s in nine races. Now, two points against Brad, I guess you could call out is the fact that he's got kind of an every other race thing going on here uh, where, you know, finish seventh and then outside the top 20 and then seventh and outside the top 20. Um, So he'd be due, if you want to say that word, for a poor finish if that streak were to continue. And uh, another point against Brad would be that some of those numbers, you know, still have the the Penske uh, backing behind them, obviously. So you got to understand that. But Last year, again, seventh place finish. And then this year, this year was what really tips the scales for me because on the secondary comp tracks from 2023, the season that we're running in right now, Brad's average finish is 7.5. Bubba's is 21.0. So I'll take the guy who's plus 100 in this matchup, and I will say thank you very much, and uh, I'll see you at the finish line. So Brad plus 100 over Bubba. All day, every day, let's see it happen. Give me that six car. So to recap our three picks, again, we're getting these on Betfred. Brad plus 100 over Bubba. Truex minus 120 over Tyler Reddick. And Austin Dillon, I think that's probably my favorite one, over Chase Briscoe minus 110. So good stuff there for the head-to-head matchup section. Now, uh, just to kind of close out the episode this week, just want to call out a, a few different places here. Um, you can find me on the NASCAR betting preview show on Wednesday nights on Twitter at eight o'clock. That's recorded live. So if you want to jump on and be part of the conversation, please do. It's always a fun time and uh, picked up a few bets from some of those guys last week that hit for me. So I uh, hope you can get in on that as well. And been recording some truck pods as well. Truck race going off on Friday night. Hoping to do that yet again this week with Derek on the NASCAR betting preview show truck race podcast. So that should be fun. And also I've been reaching out to some folks about coming on as guests. I've been flying solo here for a good portion of this season, but uh, and that's mostly been due to my scheduling and not being able to, you know, commit to uh, certain days and just being able to record whenever I can. Uh, So if you're a fan of the guests, reached out to a few different people out there and hopefully um, as the summer progresses we'll have some more guests on this year so um, looking forward to it and it should be a good rest of this season we get the all-star break coming up next week so i typically don't bet the all-star race but probably still do an episode uh in some capacity to talk about it because it's north wilkesboro and who isn't excited to watch that go down? So there's just some of the show news and notes to kind of round things off. So with that, we will wrap up yet another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I really appreciate it. Give me a follow on Instagram and Twitter at Full Tank Phil. Send me a message. Let me know if you're telling me, if you're fading me, what it is. You found a bet that you like, send it my way and I will likely be in. So let's stay hot. A hot weekend in Darlington. Remember, drive fast, take chances. We'll see you next time for the All-Star Break. Hell